portions of the following program were pre-recorded. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney, Rodney Pete. It's available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. Let's do it. Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Big show today. Got to correct something. Got to correct it. I misspoke in the tease. And the reason I misspoke is I looked it up last night and then I forgot. The umpire behind the plate in the Dodger game was Greg Gibson. Gibson. It was not Laz Diaz. Okay. All right. And I remember doing that last night. I looked it up and then I then I realized I, I had the numbers reversed. So it was Greg Gibson. And in the tease you talked about what kind of game the plate umpire had, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm looking at umpire scorecards now. It's on Twitter. I check it every day. I, I don't know who these people are or how they figure this out, but they have a report every day on every plate umpire in Major League Baseball that works. Mm-hmm. Greg Gibson did the Dodger game against Seattle last night. Uh, the average is 94% overall accuracy. Okay, so that's your average, 94%. Okay. He was at 90%. So he was below. Okay. Below average. Right. Overall consistency. All right, that's 96%. He was at 94%. All right. Mm-hmm. And they also list the worst missed calls each umpire had. Yeah. Okay. Wow, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, let's put it like this. He called 88 of 97 true balls correctly. He called 47 of 53 true strikes correctly. But the worst call he made, and they have the top three, the worst call he made was that pitch to Mookie Betts. Yeah. Where it almost hit him, (laughs) and he punched him out. (laughs) Almost got him. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I love? I love when that happens. And, it, you know, you can see the guys frustrated, and they turn and they look at the umpire. And you, they ask the same question every time. Yeah. Was that a strike? And here's the problem. You know, and Oral said this last night, is all you want is consistency. If you're going to call it that way, call it that way, right? If, you got, if you're going to call it outside, you're going to call the high pitch, low pitch, inside. Call it that way the whole game. At least call it that way the entire at-bat. Because if you remember, at in that at-bat, he called a ball. I believe it was 2-2 count. He called a ball. That was closer to the plate than the one he punched him out on. Right. He called it a ball. So you're, you're Mookie Betts saying, okay, he called that a ball. It's inside. He called it a ball. This one comes further inside. You're right. Like, oh, ball four. Ball four. <laughs> you're right. Hung him up. You're <laughs> out. Yeah. I mean, that's inconsistency within a single at bat, which is absurd. Which is absurd. It's one thing, you know, during the course of the game, but in a single at bat, when you're the hitter going, okay. He's he's giving the pitcher that pitch. Okay, I got I got to adjust to that in my in my at bat. Or he's not calling this inside pitch. Okay, good good. I know this is good to know. And you take it and he calls you a strike. He's like, what the what, what am I doing? Look, it working the plate is really tough. Always has been, and now it is incredibly difficult because you have that box on the screen. Yes. And now they have new animation, which makes it even worse. The animation yeah. shows you exactly where the ball went, right? 
It shows the ball coming towards yes. the plate. Yeah, yeah. And, and every game has it. I've seen it. Yeah. I watch uh, MLB baseball package. Every yeah. game they use that. And right. it exposes how difficult that job is and really how many pitches they miss. And if you watch closely, if you are a baseball fan and you see the catcher framing it, I mean, you can see yeah. it. You can see him pull it up, pull it in. But the umpire, it happens so quickly, can't. So the ump, the catchers are doing a great job. And the umpires are doing the best job they can. And that's why I said, and it's now three years ago, you've got to go to the automated strike zone. You just have to. You have to eliminate that. It's unfair. It's unfair to the pitchers. It's unfair to the hitters. Hey, we know what the strike zone is. I'm watching at home. If I see that ball in that box, it's a strike. And the computer will call it one. If it's not in the, the box, it's going to be a ball. There's no arguing here. That's it. That's the strike zone. And I'm telling you, Rodney, and I said it a couple of years ago, and you said it, well, I'm not there yet, but I'm moving in that direction. They need to change that as soon as possible. They need to be testing that in the Atlantic League or wherever they test these rules. Yeah. You know, Cassie. Cactus League, one of those leagues, yeah, minor leagues, they need to test it. I, I agree. I, I agree they need to test it. I'm not I'm not sold on it, but given what we've seen the last couple of years, yeah, in critical situations. Yeah, and and, and you said it. It's a hard job being behind the plate. Think about it. You got a guy throwing 95, 93, 94 with and then some guys throwing ninety five with movement all over it and cutters and things of that. It, it, it's hard to call a perfect strike. And for the most part, most of them are pretty close. You know, the ones that they miss, it's pretty close. Well, not like, last night when Mookie almost got for, hit. Except for that one. I yeah. mean, except for a few of them having, you know, our, our good friend Angel is not very good. His, his accuracy was 86%. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good. There's, there's a handful of them that are just notoriously bad. But it is a hard job. And I guess the question would be, wh- what does that do for – you know, pitchers that didn't participate in the automated strike zone in the past. So those do they, they said, man, I would have had, you know, 300 more strikeouts if I had the automated strike zone. Do they have a beef if you go to the automatic strike zone and they're in the record books go and show that oh, oh, all of a sudden these guys are getting more strikeouts per year because that's going to be measured as you go forward. How many more strikeouts will pitchers get and how many more walks, all those type of things. Is that going to affect or is it going to be an asterisk now going forward if you use the automated strike zone? Well, what they should do is starting in whatever, 2022, 2023, they went to the automated strike zone. That That's all you got to do. I mean, whatever you did prior to that is good. If you didn't get the benefit of the doubt, then too bad. And going forward, this is the way it is. I mean, it's all, it always should be based on what the standard was when you were playing, I think. Yeah. That's the only way you can do it. Um. But yeah, they 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 need to do that. They, okay, it, let me ask you this. Yeah, automatic. For, what should come first? Automated strike zone. Okay. Or eliminate the shift. Can I? And I can't have them at the exact same time. No, you got to pick one or the other because they're going to implement one. They got to implement one in twenty twenty two. Okay, it's going to be eliminate the shift because it's going to take more testing for the automated strike zone. They just won't fire okay. that thing up. They'll have to do it in the minors for a couple of years. And make sure, yeah. and then they'll bring that. But the shift should go right away. Yeah, there's no debate about that, right? There's no, there's no let's let's test this out or anything like that because there was games played prior to to the last five six years before that where there where there wasn't really much shift. Yeah, so they don't have to test it out. 
Rodney, you just say eliminate the shift. Rodney, you have the second baseman playing short right field. Yeah. yeah. Right? You, you, you have the third baseman playing where the second baseman does. You have the shortstop three feet from second base. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't. Yeah, guys playing directly up the middle. I can't tell you how many balls Corey Seager's hit this year that have been directly up the middle or over second base bag that has gone right to the shortstop or right to the third baseman who's shifted over um, that ordinarily or, – or balls that are hit between the first baseman and second baseman and Manny Machado sitting in short right field. Right. Fielding it. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. The analytics are very good. Yeah. It is because I mean, most of the time it's they are guys are hitting into the shift. Except Fred, I thought I, I wanted to call you, Fred, because our man, the hero of last night, hit the other way against the shift and got a base hit, got an infield hit. Kevin Lux did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He hit it the other way, and it was the most awkward swing. And you could, it's exactly what he was trying to do, and he did it. And he hit it to a soft ground ball to like third base between third and short. And it was no play. They had no play with him at first base. It kind of took this weird kind of chop at it. Yeah. And had some backspin on it. And <laughs> yes. it started rolling. Yeah. But there you go. He got on. Yeah. Yeah. It I was mean, big. It, it was big. And, of course, his home run last night, good for him. Good for Gavin Lux. Let's be let's be completely honest here. It's not like he's been one of murderer's row. He hasn't been yeah. tearing it up. Right. You know, he has been pedestrian at best. And last night, that was a sweet swing. I mean, Muncie had a yeah. sweet swing last night, too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he knew. But Gavin Lux, it was sweet. It was pure. It was true. Let's have it go. It. <laughs> Let's have uh, it go. Yeah. To know it when you hit it, that is a great feeling. And then in that moment, for a guy, too, like you said, had been struggling. The team had been struggling. I don't know, you know, there there are home runs and then there are big home runs. And that was a huge home run, not just for him that was struggling, but when your whole team is struggling and you're looking like you're, you know, here we go, another defeat at a team that we should beat. And and you hit a big three-run home run like that to give your team the lead. It, uh, huge, 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 huge. Let's have and go. Yeah, and that's what he said afterwards. Yeah, he did. He looked, he yeah. looked right at the dugout. Pounded his chest. <laughs> and then on the post-game show, we apologized. Let's have and go. Yeah, I got a little yeah. excited. Said so he got a little excited. Probably shouldn't have been that excited. You know what? I'm no cool. apology necessary. I'm cool with me. that. Yeah. Let's see some emotion. Let's see yes. somebody smile. Let's see some yeah. energy. And then what happens? Here yeah. comes Kenley. And it was a different feel when Kenley pitched last night. Because he was on his game as well. And they get out of there with a win. A huge win. You know, and, and it... You know, it's not like they scored 14 runs. It's not like they beat up Cincinnati or beat up the right. Cubs. They earned this one last night. So hopefully that's the beginning to get them out of that funk. Hopefully it's the start to get them out of it. I'm good with the celebration, Rodney. You yeah. good with it? I'm 100% good with it. I've, I've, I love it. I actually love it. I'm with I'm with the younger guys. Trevor Bauer said it. Even uh, who's who's that? Syndergaard said it, right? Yeah, he he also echoed that, that. Let the guys celebrate. I want to celebrate when I strike somebody out in a big moment. So why not the hitters? So if, if you can't celebrate in that moment, what Gavin Lux did last night, I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? Got to be able to celebrate like that. And it's not. He didn't direct it at the pitcher. He didn't point fingers at, at the pitcher and say, I got this off of you and blah, blah, blah. 
He looked at his own dugout and he celebrated. Let's have and him I'm go. With it. Yeah, let's I'm do it. I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm good with it. You know what it was? Was it a sense of joy? Was it a sense of excitement last night? I'll yeah. tell you what it was. It was a sense of relief. Yeah. That's what it was. It was finally, finally we got one here. And maybe yeah. that turns it around. Yeah. Get a little trash talking in baseball. Let's go. David Vasse will jump on here about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and we'll get more into that. All right, Lakers last night. A huge night for the Dodgers and Lakers. Dodgers finally get one. And I think the Lakers got one that a lot of people think they wouldn't get last night, Rodney. Beat the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. AD, good Lord, got hit in the nose. Yeah. God, he's a monster. He is playing like a monster now. He always gets hit somewhere, somehow. He sure does. <laughs> They and, almost didn't call it. They almost didn't call the one he got hit in the nose. He got hit in the face. Well, yeah. But you know what? They almost didn't call it. He initiated the contact there. Yeah. That should yeah, have been an did. offensive foul. Yeah. Yeah. And he paid yeah, he the did. price. He got <laughs> right in the face. But, man, you talk about clampdown defense. Yes. Lakers really locked down last night. You cannot say enough about the play Wesley Matthews made at the end of regulation. I mean, they're not in it. If he doesn't make that play, I mean, for him to get inside, not only have the presence of mind to get inside, get position, get the rebound, but to go right back up with it, as opposed to bringing it down on the floor and then going back up because he would have got it blocked. Um, great presence of mind. But you mentioned the defense because right, I think it was before that or after, whether the Knicks didn't even get a shot off. I mean, it was shot clock, clock violation on that, and it was great, great defense by them. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, big. I mean, but you said Anthony Davis, the defense that they played, huge, big, big time when they needed it. All right. Well, what? Although, although the, the play at the end of regulation when they let Julius Randle get two feet from the basket, I, I I wasn't happy with that defense. No, they lucked out there. Yeah, they did. They lucked, They they got lucky on that. Yeah. Let's just give Julius Randle his due. Yeah. Yeah. He's a real deal. Julius Randle. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. He, he He's a everybody. matchup problem. He's yeah. a matchup problem. Think about that. Yeah. He's not AD size. No. But he's a matchup problem. Yes. Yeah, and he plays really physical, as do the yep. Knicks. Okay, so Wesley Matthews makes a great play at the end of regulation, boxes out Derrick Rose, throws it back in. In my house, one question was asked. It's a fair question. You're never going to get the call. Why wasn't that called? No. He was not yeah. flattening his butt. That was a yeah. foul on a three-point yeah. play. You're never going to get that call at the end of the game. You are never going to get it. You know it. I know it. Yeah. And you it know, has to be extremely blatant. And the way it way it happens, I think if he gets knocked out, if he comes down and then goes back up and gets knocked down like that, that's a foul. But in the moment and the continuation of the play, they're not gonna they're not gonna give you that call. Yeah, but if that play happens in the second quarter, yeah, he probably gets it. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah. Right. It's the age old question: If it's yeah. a foul in the second quarter, why is it a foul at the end of the game? Yeah. Right? This is the old pass interference in, in football. Right. And Hail Mary is never called. Yeah. Anything goes then. Yeah. But in the second quarter of the game, that yeah. flag comes out. Absolutely. Let's talk about Taylor Horton Tucker. You mentioned him. Is it just me or is this guy a complete and total adventure every time he <laughs> plays? Because, honestly, he could drive the length of the court, spin, and throw the ball off the top of the backboard. Yeah. He could literally hit the shot clock, flailing, throwing the ball. Or, in a critical moment, he could take a pass and drill a three. 
Yeah. I mean, he's a young guy learning on the fly here. I mean, he's in it. He's in the midst of it. He's learning on the fly. And think of this, Rodney, because we had the conversation yesterday about Julius Randle. You know, oftentimes you give up on young guys, yep. right? Because you got to move on. Taylor Horton Tucker is a young guy. You don't give up on that guy, do you? No. You remember, what was it? It was the, um, we were saying it was a preseason. Was it last year, right? It was a preseason last year, or it may have been coming back to the bubble. Anyway, he was lighting it up. He was he was doing everything and everything. Well, wait till the regular season. He's doing this, this year. In the yeah, this year, you know, maybe we'll see. And he and he is definitely the real deal. But there, then there there were talks like this. This is a, one of the young guys that is not part of any kind of trade or anything. This is one guy that Lakers going to keep hold on to, and and I, I think they should because he is upside. And it feels like they have told him, unlike a lot of young guys, they have told him. Just go play. We're gonna take we're gonna take the reins off. We're gonna take the shackles off. Just go play. You know you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna throw the ball away. You're gonna make some ill-advised plays. But we're not gonna hold you back from the player that you are and can be. You're gonna learn from all of this, and you're gonna make the mistakes. But you're also gonna make some great plays. And so just go for it. We'll live with that. It, it feels like that's the conversation that they had with him because he plays. He doesn't play like he's 20 years old and new to the new to the league. He's in a big time on a big time team in a big time city in a big time game, and he's playing with no fear at all, none. I mean, I love it. I love it. He he is an adventure. Yeah, there are moments where he is completely out of control, and you're just going, "Oh my God, no!" And yeah. then he turns around. And he starts drilling them. Yeah. So what does it mean? Now, yesterday, you know, I said, all right, get to the seventh seed, you'll be okay. You'll win a play-in game, then maybe you'll play Phoenix. Wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe they won't be in the play-in tournament now. Maybe they can get to five. I mean, think of this. Two days ago, it's like, well, you, you get yeah. what you get. Yeah. And now, look, look at where we're at. Portland is five. They have 29 losses. Dallas is six. They have 29 losses. The Lakers are seven. They have 30 losses. Yeah. The Lakers could end up as high as five now. Yeah. And think about, look at look at who Portland has to play. I mean, they, they have a tough, tough road to go to, to get there. Um, it's very well conceivable that they could get to, get to that fifth seed. Fifth seed would mean they would open against Denver. Yep. Sixth seed would mean they would open against the Clippers. Seventh seed looks like, and it'll probably be, they'll open against the Suns. Now, we had Bill Orem on yesterday. And yes. we asked Bill. And you attacked him. Why didn't it attack For answering a hypothetical question, Fred, you attacked him. All right, well, let's, let's let you hear what happened <laughs> yesterday. Rodney, it starts with you. If you had to look at the best scenario for the Lakers in their state to move on, which would it be? I think the best scenario, if I as I look at this now, would be to fall to eight, lose to the Warriors in the first play-in game, get the eighth seed, have the Suns jump the Jazz into first place, play the Suns in the first round, but not as the 7-2, as the 8-1, and then the winner of that series would face the Nuggets and uh, Mavericks winner. Yeah, but, you know, 
one step at a time. You know, if they can lose and fall into the eighth seed, and then if the he said Suns, ideal path, Fred, yes, I was asked to see the ideal path. I wasn't saying- on a hump day, Wednesday, Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan coming at ya. It's a good feeling, L.A. Wednesday, as both the Lakers and the Dodgers come up with wins. Rodney, Much needed wins. We were going to have David Basset on right now. We're not doing that. Not doing it, Rodney, because he's nope. uh, recording something for his podcast. Okay. So let's play Who Dis? Let's do it. And then we'll have Dave on. 866-987-2570. Adam is in for Kevin today. So uh, whoever wants to play Who Dis, jump on right now. And uh, Adam will pick you up, put you on the air, and you're going to play Rodney and Ronnie. We're going to do Who Dis. And as you're dialing, because you are someone that can multitask, it is very important that you listen to this announcement. AM570 LA Sports taking care of you again with a six-pack of field tickets and VIP parking to see your world champion Dodgers take on the Miami Marlins Saturday night at Dodger Stadium. Get all six codes. It's code word time. Then listen for the cue to call with Petros and Money. And you're going to the Dodger game. This hour's code word is... Blooper. Again, this hour's code word is... Blooper. Get complete details on our Instagram at AM570LA Sports. Only one station can hook you up with Dodger tickets. Your official home of the world champion Dodgers, AM570LA Sports. 866-987-2570. Who's playing who dis? Come on. Who wants some? Let's go. Rogan and Rodney Roulette. Who is this guy? This is who I am. Who is this guy? Who this? Who this? Who this? Okay. Phone's ringing. Adam picked it up. I think I know who's going to play. As soon as he makes sure and confirms it's who he claims to be. It's our buddy Zach in Long Beach. Zach, how are you? Brad, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. You ready to go? Yes, sir. Ronnie, you ready? Of course, Fred. Let's play. Let's do it. Uh, And who dish? Yell it out when you know it. I was the 25th overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. What pick? 25. Who is that? 2010? 2010. 2010. Who is this guy? I, I won two national titles and a Heisman Trophy in college. Tim Tebow. Rodney. Tim Tebow. Ah, yep. Yep. Just got you there, Zach. Just snuck in a little bit on you. Yep. Uh-huh. That's good. Uh-huh. Drunk first day, Rodney. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I'm good. Let's go. Let's start. I was a two-time NBA MVP and three-time College Player of the Year. Go Russell up. Westbrook. How about new? Kevin Love. Kareem. No, Kareem. Rodney, Rodney, Rodney. Kareem is correct. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm coming in hot. You are. Here's your next one. I have made 10 All-Star teams in my Major League career. How many? 10. 10. Um, yeah, oh. No good. Oh, Zach. Yes, he did. <laughs> Why you hit the no good so hard? No, so because quick. it was Ronnie. Ronnie tried and was wrong. Oh, I thought you hit that. No, Zach. Way to go, Zach. Yes, sir. 
That's I threw what... Albert Pujols out a couple guesses, man. It's about time. I feel bad for what happened to him, though, even though they disagreed in the, you know, upstairs, but... Still sucks that he got sent out that way. Yeah, you know what? And if we don't have David Vassay, who was taping for his podcast, we're going to talk about that next, actually. Uh, awesome. You also gave it a, a, a Gavin Lux, let's go, which was very impressive there when you got it right. Yeah. Gavin yeah, yeah, Lux, yeah, yeah. that was awesome. Tight pants. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your next one. Oh, this will be tough. I'm a three-time Super Bowl champion. Troy Aikman. No no. Good. Emmett Smith. Julian Edelman. How about new? Ben Roethlisberger. No, no! I made five Pro Bowls and one All-Pro team in my Hall of Fame career. Joe Montana. Gronkowski? No good! No, Senor! Drew Brees. Um, How about new? No, he didn't win three. He won three? Three Super Bowls? Three Super Bowls. Here's your next clue. My nickname... Was the playmaker. Mike Orvin. Rodney. There. Oh. Good one. Okay. Playmaker. Two to go. Playmaker. I didn't know that was his nickname. I, I forgot it anyway. Yeah. The playmaker. He was a bad man. He, yeah, he, he was a good receiver. You could call offensive pass interference on him every single play. You know what? He doesn't get a lot of like credit for the best receiver of all time discussion. He, he's uh, a little bit underrated for how good he was, if you ask yeah, me. Like, 100%. You look in the top 10, he's never there. Anyway. 100%. 100%. Two to go. Here we go. I was the 11th overall pick in the 1984 NFL Draft. 11th pick? Yep. 84. No good! 84. Yeah. Oh. Duck Flutie. And it is no good. 11th pick in the 84 draft. Who is, is that? What you're saying? That's it. I was a two time NFL MVP and won one Super Bowl MVP. Marcus Allen. Uh, no good. Vincent Bojack. What year did they draft in 84, right? 84. Uh, who is this guy? I led. Fort Moon? Nope. How about new? I led the NFL in touchdown passes four times and in passer rating six times. Steve Young. It is Steve Young. Ooh, Ronnie. Good one. Ronnie. Good one. Who drafted him, Ronnie? Who drafted him? I was going to say Francisco that. San Francisco 49ers. No. Tampa Bay Bucks. All right. And where was the first team he played? Four. L.A. Express. That's right. Who used to work for the L.A. Express? <laughs> you did? No. I said, who used to work for the L.A. Express? Didn't you work for the L.A. Express at one point, Fred? No, I did the XFL. Oh, okay. I didn't work for go. the Express. All right. No. My bad. No, but actually. USFL, Ronnie. Yeah. And after Steve Young played his first game for the Express at the Coliseum, we had him on Channel 4 that night. Want to know nice. why? Want to know why? Really? Why? My brother worked for the Express. Oh, for real? Yeah. What's your no brother's way. name, Fred? Yeah. My brother's name Inside is Eric. job. Eric? Yeah. Does he Eric talk Rogan. Like this? Eric Rogan. No. Hi, brother. Yeah. No, we, we don't even, if you saw us, you wouldn't even think we're brothers. He's four years younger than I am. Is he taller? Um, A little bit. Yeah. I, I bet he who's can Who's the dunk. better looking one and who's the smarter one, Fred? Oh, Fred's the better looking one. Come on, he's the dean. <laughs> no, I'm the smarter one. He's the better looking one. <laughs> 
All right, here's your last one. So here's where we're at. Zach and Ronnie each have one. Rodney, you have three. Yes. Okay. Uh, so you've won, Rodney. No yes, charity, I have. no Rodney. No charity. Nice, why you, why nice you bounce like, back, why Rodney. You, why you act surprised? After all the kissing the sisters yesterday, I needed to bounce back, Ronnie. <laughs> Rodney, I love it. All right, here's your last one. I was the first overall pick in the 87 NBA draft. James Worthy. And it is no good. Uh, what Michael Thompson. Thompson. What no pick? Good. First overall. First overall in 87? Yes, and I salute all of you. The Admiral. David Robinson. David Robinson. Ah. Robinson. I tried to give it to y'all. I tried to give it to y'all. <laughs> You know what? Maybe. So, so did Fred. Yeah, I just, <laughs> maybe it was a little too soon for me to drop that in. That was not one of the clues. I just thought I'd throw that in. And Rodney, you got it. Okay, so Rodney, you win. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. Hey Zach, good job though. You got one today. Nice job. Yeah, I got one. Rodney was on fire, man. Never lost. Never lost. Never lost. All right, Zach. Yeah. Thanks for listening Later, to the show. Take it easy. Will be released later this year. In a statement released with the track, the group said that the track encouraged you to shut out any negativity which is bringing you down and live your best life. Simply put, we should all make the most out of every day as you never know when it might be your last. Again, today's afternoon delight is run by one republic. All right, Rodney, I guess, uh, you know, we were going to do one of two things. You can tell me if this is a hit or we fouled it off. David Bassey is what we picked. Oh, that's a home run, baby. Oh, Always. yeah, Rodney. Oh, Always. yeah, you know it is. Hey, by you the know? way, One Republic, can you believe Chase Utley is best friends with the lead singer of One Republic? That's one of those, like, are you serious? Those two guys are friends? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like it's like, uh, it's like you and Belichick. Fred. Nobody would ever <laughs> guess you guys are friends. It's like... Bill Belichick being uh, really close friends with John Bon Jovi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but when Bill lets his hair down, all yeah. bets are off, Rodney. All bets are off. You know yes. that. Yeah. All right, so Dave joins us. Uh, good win for the Dodgers last night. Let's start, well, with the beer shower that took place after the game. And they were all celebrating Gavin Lux, right? No, Fred. Despite what Dave Roberts said after the game, it was not for Gavin Lux. I got a text while doing Dodger talk from a player that told me the beer shower was for Garrett Clevenger, who pitched a scoreless eighth inning and got his first major league win. So Lux participated in the beer shower, but the shower was for Garrett Clevenger, who got his first major league win. And he was sort of on the bubble, wasn't he? He needed a good outing. Yeah, you know, him and Lux actually needed something as far as feeling good about themselves. Lux has struggled so far this season. Clevenger has had a rough road trip, and he needed to feel good about himself as well, and they both contributed to a big win. So I think that's, you know, those are the type of moments that make you feel more part of the team because Clevenger really hasn't felt had anything to feel good about. Lux hasn't had that much to feel good about. That was his first career home run at Dodger Stadium. He only had two hits at Dodger Stadium coming into the game last night. So I think it was a, a great win in a lot of different respects 
for a lot of different reasons. Lux, Clevenger feeling good about themselves, and also coming from behind because they kind of were dead to rights against Kikuchi last night. Well, he he looked yeah, like they so were. young out there. Oh man, he was he was on fire. Um, but going back to Lux, yeah, it was a fantastic moment for him. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, just uh, in a moment where everybody needed it, where the Dodgers had been struggling, he had been struggling, young guy trying to get his footing, first home run at Dodger Stadium. And I loved, I loved the emotion, Dave. And then some people, obviously, the old schoolers are like, oh, too much celebration after home. I loved every bit of it. Can we just do away with people complaining about guys celebrating? You know what's so funny about that, Rodney? Gavin Lux did the exact same thing and said the exact same words that Jock Peterson said when he turned to the Cubs dugout in Chicago, and it turned out to be a sacrifice fly instead of a home run. So, yeah, you know, I, you know it's just the way things go. A lot of guys turn to their dugout, pound their chests, and say, let's freaking go. And that he did. By the way, Mookie Betts, I had a chance to talk to him after he came back from the road trip. He said that ball was crushed by Jock yeah. Peterson. It was just the wind in Chicago that knocked it down. So he thought that one was going on to Waveland Avenue if it wasn't the wind. So, yeah, so for everybody jock. clowning jock, you know, that ball was crushed. How often do you see a guy hit a home run against Walker Bueller? How often do you see the same guy hit two off Walker Bueller in a game, Mitch Hanniger? Yeah, you don't see that very often, Fred. And the one thing about Walker this year, he seems to be getting beat on his secondary pitches, the cutter especially. So I don't know how he fixes that, but it's got to get better because he's gotten beat on that secondary pitch quite a few times this year. But the one thing I will say about Walker Bueller, even though he gave up four runs and three home runs, one to Corey's brother, Kyle, he went seven innings. And so now you only have to ask that bullpen to get six outs. And essentially, you're only asking for somebody not named Kenley Jansen or Blake Trinan or Victor Gonzalez to get three outs. And that's what Garrett Clevenger was able to do. And Kenley looked fantastic in the ninth inning. By the way, he's holding opponents this year to a batting average of 089. Yeah, he looked, he looked, and his strut and his confidence and his, just his body language looked like he was Kenley four years ago. Oh, really man. Did. Fred right now looks like Adam Bomb from the Garbage Pail Kids with his head blown when I said that. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. Wow. All 89. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Blew your mind. But they're not overusing him, Dave, and I think that's the key. Right, that's the key. You can't pitch him three nights in a row. If you're going to use him for more than three outs, he's got to be off the next day, which is kind of tough for Dave Roberts. You can't have a bullpen full of guys that can't pitch two days in a row. And it kind of feels like he has that type of bullpen right now. So I feel like he's kind of handcuffed in a lot of games where he can't use guys back-to-back -back nights. Fortunately for him and the team, they have two days off, which are unusual this week. They had one on Monday, and they'll have one tomorrow. Hey, Dave, uh, going back to Gavin Lux, one of the things uh, outside of the home run that, that I was impressed with was, you know, against the shift, he had, he 
deliberately attempted to hit the ball the other way and got the infield hit. I thought it was a, a great moment of doing something that a lot of people ask, and why don't he do it more? But he actually did it in the game, and it worked out. I wasn't sure if he was doing that on purpose, Rodney. Did you think? Oh, he when was? I looked, yeah, when I looked back at it, uh, uh, you know, a few times, and they replayed it, it definitely looked like he was inside out in the swing and just trying to slap it the other way. Well, that's great. He does yeah. go the opposite way a lot, but last night was the first time that we have actually seen him hit with some power. We heard so much about the home runs in the minor leagues, and. Honestly, I've counted about maybe four balls that have been hit to the outfield and maybe the warning track from Lux. A lot of his hits have been on the ground. They've been a lot of infield singles. So hopefully that's the start of more things to come. And I think he just has to take some pressure off himself. He doesn't have to be that guy. And I don't think he is that guy that he was in the minor leagues. I don't believe that's the type of major leaguer he'll be. Yeah, yeah, I have to tell you, watching him this year, I was starting to think, all right, it's going to be put up or shut up time for him, especially when McKinstry gets back. Yeah, the one thing, yeah, I agree with that, Fred. He he better start feeling some heat because if he doesn't produce, then McKinstry will play a lot more second base and he'll find himself coming into the game in the fifth or sixth inning of games. Um, so I agree with you there. And maybe he's starting to feel that heat, that competition, because uh, he really hasn't been pushed that much. He's been run out there every day. And I will say this about Andrew Friedman. There were times in Jock Peterson's and Kike Hernandez's Dodger career that, you know, I think back to 16 and 17 where they were hitting at or below the Mendoza line, and they actually sent Jock Peterson down in August when they acquired Curtis Granderson. He has a lot of patience with young players, and it has paid off. So we'll see whether or not it pays off this time with Gavin Lux. Yeah, we yeah we hope so. Um, David Price, is he close, Dave? Yeah, you know, I was out at Dodger Stadium early yesterday, and I saw him uh, pitching with Justin Turner standing in the batter's box but not swinging. And also he was uh, practicing PFP, pitchers, fielding practice where he comes off the mound to cover first base to test his hamstrings and I guess he checked all the boxes and the next time guys will be swinging in the batter's box and by the way yesterday I asked Dave Roberts about Cody Bellinger and that video he said he's running at 60 percent and he will go out and play rehab games before he's activated but I wouldn't be surprised if this starts moving a little faster and Cody is activated next weekend in San Francisco. I don't know where the process is at. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, but the Dodgers starting next Friday will play the Giants seven out of nine games. So I could see, I think the good, the most optimistic part of this is for Bellinger to play next weekend. If not, maybe one day next week. Dave, you talk to the players more than anybody. I mean, your contacts are, are incredible. And a win like that last night. I know you've got to be really evenly balanced during a baseball season. Can't get too down, can't get too up. Uh, but what does a win like that last night mean? It means a lot, Fred. Coming off that 20-game stretch of going 5-15 and 15 and having that miserable road trip. You know, Justin Turner said that on the Instagram Live last Thursday where he said, we feel like the pendulum needs to swing where we start to believe good things are going to happen instead of expecting bad things to happen. Similar to the way things have gone the last few years for the Dodgers, and they made it happen. 
And last night, they made it happen again by having the type of Dodger at-bats that we've seen before. So I would say, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, that not only do they get a win, but they have a win that they have feel really good about that they haven't felt good about in a while. Probably the last win they felt good about was when they put a 16 spot in Milwaukee, and that was coming off losing three in a row there. So that's how far and few between they've had these type of wins. All right. Dodgers back at it tonight. Dave will be on with Dodger Talk after the game. Dave, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Clayton Kershaw will be on before first pitch with us on the pregame show, 645. Very cool. Very cool. Dave, thanks.